You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by our good friends over at Pro Prep and, of course, Athletic Greens. This show is part of the 90 Min Football Network. And on this episode, we're going to be reacting to Arsenal's spirited draw at Anfield this evening. Wow. Um, and I say wow not because I'm like overly thrilled with the result. OK, you know. I'm one of these people that doesn't believe that you should celebrate nil-nil draws, that you can look at a nil-nil draw, uh, sort of have your backs against the wall for the majority of a fixture, get a nil-nil draw and should be sort of jumping up and down as if you've just won the Champions League. But it was about the performance. It was about the spirit. It was about the grit. It was about the determination. It was about the guts that we saw from this Arsenal side tonight. And I said yesterday on our podcast, when when somebody asked me a question about I think it was around what I would accept from Arsenal in terms of a finish this season and what I would say is enough to keep Mikel Arteta in the job. And I said that it wasn't just about that. That was obviously a huge part of it. And you want Arsenal, of course, to be in a place where we're in the top four or challenging for the top four at the very minimum. But for me, what's so, so important is seeing progress on the field. And even against all the odds tonight, we went into the game with a really weak side, in my opinion, with some really key players missing. And then we went down to 10 men around about the half an hour mark. Um, and from then on, it kind of felt like, you know, you know, what are we going to do now? Like, it kind of felt as though we were going to be swept aside by a Liverpool side at Anfield, under the lights, in front of the crowd. But we stood up to them. We stood up to the task. We stood up to the opponent. We stood up to an opponent that has, in recent seasons, intimidated us, has brushed us aside with ease. And I was really, really proud of that Arsenal performance, I have to say. And we're going to talk about various elements of it. Um, really looking forward to getting into that with you guys uh, tonight. Um, if you are listening via the audio platform, good morning, good afternoon, depending on what time it is that you are tuning in. Uh, but just like I'm going to ask the guys who are watching us live on YouTube right now to hit that like button. I'm going to ask you listening on the audio platforms to make sure that you leave us a review. It really, really does help. And I very, very much appreciated it. Uh, appreciate it. Also, I just want to say a big thank you because I've noticed that since the last video, uh, we've managed to get over the line. We've managed to hit 18K subscribers. We're hoping to get to 20 by the end of the season. That is the aim. That is the goal. That is the ambition uh, here on YouTube. So please uh, do subscribe if you are new. Right. Let's start off uh, by discussing um, the match facts, the team selections. I think there's plenty that we can kind of uh, dive into here to create some, I guess, or, or provide some context around why it is that as Arsenal fans, we're pleased with the outcome of tonight's fixture, despite it being a nil-nil draw. Look, when you have a two-legged tie in an ideal world, you'd love it, wouldn't you, if you were um, going into that second leg with an advantage. However, uh, when you look at the way the game panned out, 
you can understand why Arsenal fans are feeling so positive about it. Look, 78% of the possession is what Liverpool had on the night. Arsenal just 22%. And we looked this up because I was watching the game with my dad and my brothers and a mate. And um, we looked up what the lowest Premier League possession stat is ever because it felt like we had very little of the ball tonight. And it was around about 18%. So we're not that far above it in terms of, uh, of, um, of the possession stat that we returned tonight. But what it goes to show is that if you're organised, if you're compact, if you show fight, if you show desire, um, and you do all of that stuff, then of course... Uh, you know, you stand the chance regardless of whether you've got the ball in possession or not. Liverpool managed 17 attempts at goal tonight, but only one of them, just one, was on target, which goes to show that we limited them to pot shots from distance. We limited them to speculative efforts. And that in itself tells you how well Arsenal defended on the night. If we look at the starting lineup, and there's one thing I just want to share with you guys, because obviously... There's been a lot, hasn't there, going on back and forth between Arsenal and Liverpool in the last week or so with regards to whether they should have had the first leg postponed, whether they should have been allowed to get that postponement. And there was a lot made about how many players they had out. And then, of course, all that stuff came up about the false positives. And there's been, as I say, a lot of back and forth. Let me just show you a screen grab from the Liverpool, I think it's from the back of the Liverpool match day programme. Now, if you're listening on the audio, you won't be able to see this, but I'll explain to you exactly what it is. If you take a look at this, you can see the two squads listed on the back of the programme. And if you look at Liverpool's, it's nearly double as long. The list of players in that squad is nearly double as long as the one on the Arsenal side. And it's funny that because apparently they don't have a squad and apparently they didn't have players that they could have called upon and used the other day. Now, I'm not getting carried away, OK? This is just the first leg and there's a lot of football still to be played and Liverpool are good enough to come to Emirates Stadium and beat us. So let's not get carried away. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't enjoy taking and almost revel in the, the backs-to-the-wall display that Arsenal turned in tonight and the grit and, as I say, and determination and guts and fight and passion and, you know, uh, concentration that this team showed. I think you've got to give them immense credit for that. Moving on to the starting lineups, if you start with Liverpool's lineup, Alisson, Alexander-Arnold, Matip, Van Dijk, Robertson, that's their first choice back five. You move into the midfield and with the exception of James Milner, it's two of their best three. But then, of course, they're missing Salah. And, uh, and Mane in those attacking positions. But that was as strong a squad as Jurgen Klopp could have potentially hoped to pick tonight. He also had the likes of Oxlade-Chamberlain, uh, good quality centre-halves in Konate and Gomez on the substitutes bench. And when you compare that to Arsenal, who were wafer thin this evening with uh, Cedric Suarez starting at right back, Sambi Lekonga playing alongside Granit Xhaka in the midfield. Lacazette having to drop back into that number 10 role, if you like. And of course, Eddie Nketiah leading the line. Now, if you think about that team, I think it's look, it's it's a problem. You know, you're talking about Tomiyasu being in there. You're talking about Partey being in there. You're talking about Odegaard and probably Smith-Rowe being in there as well. So that's at least four players that Mikel Arteta, I think, would have liked to have had in that starting lineup. But the even bigger concern tonight was not necessarily what we had as a starting eleven, but what we had beyond that. And we had very little. Defensive options, not too bad. Leno holding Tavares, Chambers, Marie. But you look beyond that, Biareth, Ulad Mahand, uh, Hutchison, Patino, 
it was really, really weak. And, and we're really struggling for options from the substitutes bench. So to be able to manage the game successfully the way we did, I think was a, a, a real achievement this evening for not just the players who executed it brilliantly and left everything out on the pitch and left blood, sweat, tears, you name it. I think you have to give Mikel Arteta some credit tonight with the way he dealt with things. I know a lot of you are commenting about Granite Xhaka in the chat box, and we are going to come to that in a moment, but I just, I'm trying not to lose my trail of thought. When you think about the fact that we went down to 10 men and then we had to readjust we had to fix it. We had to put it right. We had to do something that was going to see us stand the best possible chance of staying in the game for as long as possible. My immediate thought, and I've got to be honest, and, and correct me if, if I'm wrong, but this is just me. My immediate thought was when I saw Rob Holding coming on, that Holding was going to drop um, into the defence and that either Callum Chambers, who had come on to replace Cedric Suarez after just 11 minutes, or Ben White was going to get pushed into that midfield to sit in there alongside Sambi Laconga. And instead, Mikel Arteta decided to move to a back five. He chucked holding in the middle of the two centre-halves, let Gabriel play slightly left, White slightly right, um, and and then tucked the full-backs in as well. They were a lot more conservative, obviously being down to 10 men away at Anfield than they would normally be in a wing-back system. But uh, Chambers and Tierney, uh, I thought, did a good job too. But what did that do? It left us really, really light in the midfield, at least I thought anyway. Um, you look at it and we had, uh, you know, Sambi Laconga in there, who I've said, you know, is a really good prospect and someone I look forward to watching develop over the years. But I still think needs that more experienced head and more experienced campaigner in alongside him. He tucked into the middle and then we asked Bukayo Saka and Gabriel Martinelli to both tuck in alongside him. Um, after we sacrificed Eddie and Ketia. And I thought that Saka and Martinelli did such a fantastic job of, as Mikel Arteta said post-match, tucking into roles that they'd never played in in their entire careers and doing such a good job of it. They gave us uh, energy, work rate, enthusiasm. Um, you know, they were both brilliant at winning the ball back in certain areas and in certain instances. And I thought they both deserved an immense amount of credit. But for me tonight, the man of the match, and I agree with the, the selection of the Sky Pundits this evening, has got to be um, Ben White. I thought Ben White tonight was fantastic in everything he did. He has this incredible knack of reading where the ball's going to go, reading where people are or understanding where people are in and around him, taking up the right positions. But also when you combine that with the, the calmness and the temperament of the player. I think tonight we got a real glimpse of what Ben White could potentially go on to be and why Arsenal felt it was worth breaking the bank and spending in excess of £50 million to bring Ben White to the club. I think we saw that tonight. I think you, you got an understanding of, of the attributes that obviously alerted Arsenal uh, to him and, and made Arsenal, as I say, want to play uh, a lot of money. Um, I think, yeah, look, I can see a lot of you giving Arteta credit, just like I did a moment or two ago in the chat box. And I think that's absolutely right because, you know, I've talked about some of the individuals and the performances and shifts they put in. I thought Lacquer was good tonight in terms of the shift he put in. I thought that the fullbacks were really good. I thought everybody post the Xhaka sending off 
played their heart out. And and for that, you have to give them credit. And I guess, you know, there will be times as we're a young team and we're still developing where quality wise, we're not always going to be at the level we want to be. Consistency wise, we're not always going to be at the level we want to be. But what we do expect and demand and, and thankfully saw tonight was maximum effort, maximum fight, maximum desire to help each other out and to get through situations like that as a team. So uh, credit to all the boys, credit to Mikel Arteta. Uh, but of course, somebody who doesn't deserve all that much credit tonight was Granite Xhaka. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this because there's been a bit of a debate on social media. I think a lot of people are torn on whether that was a red card or not. Now, me personally, even as somebody who's sat here time and time again and reiterated what I believe uh, Granit Xhaka's importance to the squad is and, and why, in my opinion, that despite him having some sh quite obvious and evident shortcomings, he's still one of the best that we have. And I always say this, there's no point in comparing Granit Xhaka to everybody else because we can only pick between Granite Xhaka and what we have, right? So until the club take action, go out there and bring somebody else in, then, um, you know, then then he's what we've got. And I'm not, look, I'm not going to take away from the stupidity of, of what Granite Xhaka did, but let's just take a pause. Let's pretend that it's not Granite Xhaka that made this challenge. And if you do, I think you'll look at it a little bit differently. I guess the first thing for me is why on earth are we in a situation where we're caught in the transition and Granite Xhaka is involved in a foot race with Diogo Jota? Why is that? That for me is naive. That for me is, I think, um, I think is a sign that while we might have improved overall, we can still be susceptible in the transition. Because for my money, you can sit there and you can talk and you can say that Xhaka shouldn't do this and Xhaka shouldn't do that. And let me make it clear, I am not for a second excusing him. All I am saying is I don't want to see Arsenal in a situation where one long ball goes over the top, where teams are enticed almost or, or given the opportunity to look up, see a pacey, dynamic forward like Diogo Jota on his bike spot Granite Xhaka as the man furthest back and be able to ping that ball into the space knowing that Jota's going to get there first. I don't want us to be that susceptible on the break, that susceptible in the transition. And I thought it was really naive defensively to be in a situation where Granite Xhaka was there. Having said that, if I'm Granite Xhaka, I'm not swinging a boot at it. I'm not. I'm I'm having a glance. I'm, I'm trying to understand exactly where Diogo Jota is and I'm trying to run into his path. I'm trying to ease myself into his way, just to knock him off balance ever so slightly so that he's unable to bring that ball down on his chest the way he did. I think that's what I expect from an experienced midfielder. And the reason I have trouble sort of just saying, no, Granite Xhaka did nothing wrong and it was harsh tonight, is that he is an experienced player. He's done this kind of thing time and time again. And while he brings a lot of positives to the team, and I do genuinely believe he does, there is a lot. There's too many of these moments. Having said that, do I think that Granite Xhaka is, is picked on? Do I think that Granite Xhaka, and I'm not talking about by Arsenal fans now, I'm talking about officials. Do I think that Michael Oliver saw that situation unfold, looked up, 
recognised it was Granite Xhaka and as a consequence of it being the Swiss midfielder, reached for his card a little bit sooner than he might have done with anybody else. Maybe. Maybe. I can't rule that out because I do think that players do suffer from reputation issues. I think when you look at the penalty that was given against him against Manchester City, again, a lot of people argued that it was a penalty, that he does pull the shirt. I would argue that there are a lot of players in the Premier League that get away with that. I think that he's picked on by officials. I think he can be at times picked on by our fans. I, I don't think it's unfair to say what he did tonight was stupid. Let me make that clear. Um, but I just think the whole Granite Xhaka narrative is playing a part in some of these decisions. And, and it's a problem. And I said in the summer that although it was only OK to let him go if we brought somebody else in, I'd come to that point where I was OK with him leaving. Not because I think he's crap, not because I think he's the worst thing since sliced bread. I'm not one of those people that that believes that the reason we've never qualified for the Champions League since he arrived at the club is because of him. I think that's nonsense. Um, I think he's, it's way bigger than that. But um, I, w I made my peace with Granite Xhaka leaving in the summer because I know that this narrative is he's never going to be able to shake it. And when he goes and does stuff like that, then you kind of almost want to hold your head in your hands and say, Granite, I've sat here defending you. I've sat here highlighting all the positives because I believe that the positives outweigh the negatives. But when you go and do things like that and with the frequency that he seems to do them, it, it, you're defending the indefendable. So for me, I think um, I think tonight will be the last straw for a lot of people. And I understand why. Now, some of you have been tweeting me, asking me how long Granite Xhaka is going to be out for. Um, I think for me, with, with Granite Xhaka, what I'm not sure, sure about here is if this was done as if he was sent off for reckless play, sort of endangering an opponent because it was such a high boot, or if he was sent off for a denying a goal-scoring opportunity. Now, if it's clear denial of a goal-scoring opportunity, that carries a different suspension to the one where he'd be sent off for violent conduct. So I'm not sure exactly what it is. People are saying it's two games. Now, others are, are saying to me, and I, I have to check this, I've got to be honest, that because it's his second red card of the season, that he then gets an additional game ban. So, some are saying two games, some are saying four games. I've got to be honest, I need to look this up. I haven't looked into it. All that was going through my mind during the game and, and as I say, I finished watching the game, jumped in the car, drove home and I'm here. So I haven't had time to look it up and I'm sure we'll um, we'll uh, we'll uh, confirm this tomorrow. I can see a lot of you in the chat saying two two games, etc, uh, etc. Et so we'll um, we'll clarify that, as I say. But the, the first and immediate thought in my mind was, oh, North London derby. And we haven't got a midfield as it is. What the hell are we going to do now? Um, you know, we, we also saw a report from Chris Wheatley during the game at halftime where Chris Wheatley came out and said that Arsenal are accelerating the talks with Juventus or have accelerated the talks with Juventus in the last few hours in a bid to try and get that done so that they can register the player by tomorrow afternoon, which would see him eligible for the North London derby. We also read that Miguel Aziz is being recalled from his loan at Portsmouth. Is there another discussion to be had around Jack Wilshire and what happens there? Because, of course, we are very, very light um, in that midfield situation. I don't know. There's a lot to consider. But 
you know, it was it was difficult tonight because while you were angry with Granite Xhaka for putting us in this position whereby we now had our backs against the wall at Anfield and it was going to take an almighty defensive performance to see us come away with a decent result. The other part of you is angry as well because you're looking to the future. We already know that the situation in midfield is so dire. And just yesterday, we were celebrating or at least hopeful of the fact that Granit Xhaka would return and be eligible for this game, only for him to let us down um, on the night. But again, look... I don't want to. I don't want to dwell on it too much because I think, in a lot of ways, it kind of galvanised the team. And that's not to say that it was by design or that it gets Granite Shacker off the hook. But I think sometimes when teammates who are close, who have a bond, who are all on the same wavelength, who all have a common goal and a common ambition, and who have developed this really positive spirit that we're starting to see at Arsenal Football Club under a manager whom they trust, under a manager whom they uh, seem to uh, adore and, and get on with very well. Contrary to what people tell you, it's clear that that group of players tonight were playing for Mikel Arteta, playing for the club, playing for the fans. Um, I think as a group, when you're so close-knit, when you be- when you see what you believe to be an injustice, that does galvanise you and it does in some ways bring you together. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't a red card. I personally think it was a red card, but I can understand why if you were in the heat at the moment out there on the pitch and hadn't had a chance to watch the replay, at that time, you'd feel aggrieved and you'd feel disappointed because Granit Xhaka's not, you know, he's not been done by Jota and then decided to purposely take him out. He's clearly trying to clear the ball. He's clearly trying to make contact with the ball. And I just think he gets his bearings wrong doesn't understand exactly where Jota is, doesn't understand exactly what the situation is around him. And in his attempt to clear it, ends up kicking through the player, which you just simply can't do. So I think at the time, perhaps it was viewed as a bit of an injustice by his teammates. And not that it's okay or excused, but I I think it did kind of galvanise us. And as Mikel Arteta said in his post-match interview, we played the game that we had to play. And I think when you feel like there's a bit of an injustice, it makes you, you know, switch straight into that kind of game mode where you're going, right, we we need to do this now. Let's do it. Let's do it because we've been wronged here. Let's get that result. And look, again, as I said earlier on in the show, there's still a long way to go in this tie. A very, very long way to go in this tie. And I am not saying for a second that Arsenal are through or that we should be resting on our laurels or that we're even the favourites. Because, of course, Liverpool are a very, very strong side. But we go into the second leg, despite having gone down to 10 men at such an early stage, despite having very little possession, despite having our backs against the wall, despite being very limited in our options, we are now in a place where we go into the second leg and we stand a good chance. All we need to do is win at home. And that's not beyond the realms of possibility. That's not something that you would say is is completely you know, uh, beyond this Arsenal side. I think that we've seen some really positive signs of late. And, and, and you know, I'm as I keep saying, I'm, I'm really invested in what we're watching. I'm really invested in the development of these young guys and in the, the direction of travel that we're moving in. For those of you in the chat that are old enough to remember, I'm interested to, to know if you agree with this. I mean, how much did that remind you of a George Graham defensive performance? Small gaps between the defenders compact, deep shape, putting everything on the line, being organised, staying switched on. I thought it was 
it was fantastic. But if there was one player in that back line tonight that I was worried and concerned about at certain points, it was Aaron Ramsdale. I've got to be honest, I thought tonight he looked a little bit shaky on a couple of instances. He came out to punch a couple of things. Um, obviously had that clearance blocked by Henderson, who blocked it with his arms, by the way. But there was just a few moments with um, with Aaron Ramsdale where my heart was in my mouth. And I've said this before with Ramsdale. He's a goalkeeper that takes risks. And when goalkeepers take risks, there will be times and moments when they're punished. And I think up till now, uh, I think he's been quite fortunate, especially on tonight's occasion, uh, on, on tonight, uh, especially on this occasion, sorry. I think he's been quite fortunate that... Um, we haven't been punished for it. Uh, Chris Carrick says, I'm old enough and that's spot on, Harry. George Graham settings. Uh, yeah, for those of you that may be too young, um, and I'm too young, I've got to be honest, I don't remember hardly anything of George Graham, but um, as a kid growing up, I always used to watch my my dad's uh, old Arsenal videos, the 88-89 the season, the 90-91 season, the full season reviews. I must have watched those each about 20 times. I used to, whenever I was off school or or just kind of at a loose end, I'd, I'd put those on because I'm sad. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely uh, George Graham settings for sure. We're going to get some of your questions from the live chat box as well. Um, but before we do that, we're just going to give you guys a quick message from our sponsors, Athletic Greens. Welcome back to part two of the Chronicles of Aguna, in which we're going to be taking your questions and your thoughts from the live chat. So please do get your questions and comments in there. I'd love to hear from you guys. So please do get involved. I'm going to get through as many of those as we possibly can for the remaining 15, 20 minutes or so of the show. Really spirited performance, lots to be positive about. And um, and uh, although it was a nil-nil draw, it's a nil-nil draw that, um, that, I'm, uh, that I'm quite pleased with given the circumstances and given the nature of the performance. Uh, Ollie says, you forgot to do the message. No, if you're listening on the audio platforms, you got the message, but you guys that are live on YouTube won't. Uh, <laughs> I have to leave that gap so that it can get inserted in by the powers that be. Uh, so no, I haven't lost my marbles, I promise. But I am going to bring you a quick message from another one of our partners, and that is the team over at ProPrep. ProPrep is the perfect study tool uh, for uni students undertaking science, tech, engineering, or maths-related modules, and it can half your study time. They provide customized STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short videos. And after your videos, you can go through what you've just learned with interactive exercises and practice questions. You can also submit questions to the pro prep professors and receive video answers back within 24 hours. They've created a special offer uh, for listeners of the Chronicles of Aguna. And to take that offer up, you can visit proprep.uk slash info slash football for more info. And our listeners can sign up for a free 30-day trial. Now, no credit card information required. That's proprep.uk slash info slash football. Links are in the description for both ProPrep and Athletic Greens who kindly sponsor and support the Chronicles of Aguna. And if you support those two businesses, you are supporting the Chronicles of Aguna too. Okay, let's go through those questions. But just sorry, before I do that, what's going on with the likes, guys? There's over 500 of you watching us live right now across the multiple platforms. However, we only have 144 likes on the board, 146 now. Want to get up to that 200 mark at least. Right, what are you guys uh, saying? Um, 
Tom Smith going back to the Xhaka thing says, come on, Harry, how many times is Xhaka going to let us down, bro? Tom, I'm not disagreeing. Um, you know, and I am really frustrated with with what he did tonight. I'm really frustrated with um, the fact that we had to play the way that we did because I, I, I thought Liverpool were, although Arsenal deserved tons of credit, I didn't think Liverpool were at the races. And I do believe that had we had everybody on the pitch for the entirety of the game, we could have created them problems of our own that could have potentially seen us win the game. So obviously I'm massively frustrated about it. And obviously with Granit Xhaka, it's it's too common of a of an occurrence. But I also think that we as a team, I think one of the reasons that Xhaka in general has been better since Arteta came in, and, and that's in general, that there have been moments, the brain farts, we've all seen them. But the reason I think in general he's been better than he was previously is because I think that we've done a better job of leaving him, a better job of not leaving him exposed in those kind of situations. Situations like the one he found himself in with Diogo Jota this evening, where he's the last man, he's been asked to cover a huge distance, and he's being asked to run a foot race with someone who's clearly a lot more mobile, a lot sharper and a lot quicker. And and what disappointed me about tonight from an Arsenal perspective, put Granit Xhaka's action to one side, is that we left him in that situation. And we, how many, you know, you can say how many times is Granit Xhaka going to make that mistake? And I agree with you. But how many times are Arsenal going to make that mistake? We know what Granit Xhaka's limitations are. We know what his shortcomings are. I think that if we want to get the maximum out of him and the maximum out of the team, and we don't have all that much choice right now in midfield, I think we have to be more aware to uh, to leaving him in situations like the one he did uh, today, uh, like the one we did today. Uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, he's he's got a lot of problems and he's not perfect. But I think for us as a football team, I think we almost created that situation by being naive and pushing too far up the field and being too bold in the press. Whereas at times I think you've got to be, especially at a place like Anfield, a little bit more controlled in the way you apply it. Uh, Mohamed Adams says, Klopp, LOL, always making excuses. He said, it's strange, even without symptoms, the boys came back and it's not exactly the same. Oh, I heard that too. And I, I just wanted to laugh. I mean, why can't he? And, and then he was moaning about playing against back fives and low blocks. And I'm sorry, Jurgen, but Arsene Wenger was dealing with breaking down low blocks when you were eating Rice Krispies for breakfast in the morning. Like it's, I'm just, I don't know. I'm I'm starting to get, a little bit irritated by the kind of excuses and the the constant wanting to find a reason. Your team weren't good enough tonight. And and ultimately, the reason Liverpool weren't good enough on the night, and again, you know, not jumping to the gun, not saying that they're not going to come back in the second leg and do a better job. But the reason that they weren't firing on all cylinders tonight is because similarly to Arsenal in midfield, where we've left ourselves short, Liverpool have done that in the forward positions. The drop-off between someone like Minamino and as Sadio Mane or Mohamed Salah is just huge. And Liverpool have had ages to try and address that. It's been a problem for years, but they haven't. You know, they haven't wanted to do it. And um, that might not be down to Jurgen Klopp. But I guess what I'm saying is the issue is a little bit closer to home. And uh, perhaps they need to turn their attentions there. Uh, Wandering Minstrel says, uh, would a nil-nil against the Spuds be OK with all that's going on? I would take a draw. Uh, I think a draw away from home against a direct rival is always a, a decent result. And when you consider that we beat them at the Emirates Stadium earlier in the season to have uh, four points from that, that an available six against them would be um, would be 
would be more than respectable. Creambone says, uh, Harry, do you think this was a coming-of-age performance? It has the potential to be. It really does. Um, obviously, difficult to say that at this point, right? Because you need to follow it up and you need to then replicate that. Not replicate going down to 10 men and having your back against the wall in 22% possession. But you need to replicate that grit, determination and those kind of guts when you go away from home against the big sides the next time. And only when we see that can we say, look back and say that this performance was a, a coming of age one. Uh, Westbird says the definition of madness is to keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different outcome. Arteta is the one picking Xhaka. And do you not think it's time he stops? Um, uh, first of all, I agree with your definition of madness. Um, I think that's spot on. I guess for me, look, I think tonight the options were so limited for Mikel Arteta that I don't think you can really hang him out to dry for for picking Granit Xhaka. I think if you want to criticise Arsenal for not moving on from Xhaka in the summer, I think that's fair. And I think that's a fair uh, case to make and a fair point to raise. But I think... Given what we currently have at the club, I don't think it's crazy to keep picking Xhaka because, as I say, although in the last couple of fixtures we've seen, uh, you know, against City and against um, uh, against Liverpool this evening, we've seen those brain fart moments for him. I still think overall, under Mikel Arteta, he's been in a much better place. But I, I, I totally accept, um, you know, what you're saying in that the the uh, the Xhaka thing. You can, you're valid in asking that question about why we didn't move on from him in the summer, I think. But as for tonight, as I say, I don't think he had much choice uh, in terms of picking him. Uh, let's see what else we've got in the chat box. Um, Afsar says we should play a back three for now. Yeah, I, I asked for the back three in the lead up to this game uh, in the pre-match podcast. If you check it out or if you um, get around to doing that a little bit later on, if you go back and see the team that I picked, I ended up going with a back three in the end. Because I thought that was probably the smartest way to approach tonight's game. And it certainly helped us from a defensive standpoint. Uh, Sean Fox, uh, with a very, very kind Super Chat donation. Sean, thank you so, so much, mate. Really appreciate it. It says, Partey and Xhaka dominated against Spurs at the Emirates. Xhaka knows Partey's out. This is the top level. He needs to keep composed and not overcommit. Yeah, um, you know, and and we also have to be mindful of the added responsibility that not not just Xhaka, but whichever one of those two plays, just like Partey had to take it on when Xhaka was absent, Xhaka has to take it on when Partey's absent. So I do think there's a lot to be said for that. I think that what we've seen from both of them at various points is an almost desire to kind of over or, or this, you know, tendency to try and overcompensate for the fact that they are playing maybe alongside an inexperienced young midfielder and that can lead to them making slightly different decisions than they normally would and then that leading to to mistakes and, and errors but look not defending Granite Xhaka tonight right I, I, as I said it was for me a red card um, and, and there's not really that much of a debate about it what I would say is I don't think he was trying to take out the player I do think he was trying to win the ball but ultimately um, you know, I've if that was down the other end, I'd have been up in arms. I'd have been going mad. I've been going crazy. Uh, let's check in where we are on the likes again. Two hundred and two likes on the board. Five hundred and fifty seven of you watching us live right now on YouTube alone. Come on, let's get the likes up to two fifty. That should be light work. Keep your questions coming. Uh, Jashar says, Harry, do you think Ben White is suited to a back three? 
I was ha- we was having this conversation this evening when we were watching the game. I don't know if it was when we were watching the game or if it was at, no, it was at half time. I think we paused and we we basically had the discussion about this whole thing where people say, "Well, this defender is a lot better. This centre back is much better in a back three. And we were kind of or, or having had a bit of a discussion and a debate about it. We kind of came to the conclusion that that whole that whole he's better suited to a back three thing is a bit of a myth. Actually, it's just easier to play in a back three. And when you're talking about a back three that is, for the most part, a back five, like Arsenal's was tonight, then, of course, it's easier because you are um, you are you are covering a smaller distance, your gap, your, you know, your distance between your central defensive colleagues is smaller. Therefore, you have less ground to cover. Therefore, you're less likely to get caught out of position. So I thought he looked good in a back three tonight, but I think a lot of centre-backs look better in a back three and more centre-backs look better in a back three than centre-backs that look better in a back two. And that's because you're covering less ground and you've got more backup and you've got more support. So, um, yeah, especially when you when you tuck in, because I think what you sometimes see with a back three is you see them sort of expand and the, the right-sided centre-back go right out to the right touchline, the left-sided defender do the same thing. And then the guy in the middle can be quite exposed. But when, as I say, it was like it was tonight where Chambers had tucked in and Tierney had tucked in and it very much was a back five rather than a back three. And I think, uh, yeah, they, they definitely look better. And I think anybody would. Uh, Elliot Blackwell says, a big fan of the show. Can't defend Xhaka anymore, though, Harry. He's got to go now. Uh, Amir says, Arteta was my man of the match. His decisions were amazing with what he had. Yeah. And, you know, we've had a lot of... Um, back and forth about whether his game management is, is up to the standard required. And I thought tonight um, he deserved a lot of credit, especially if we're going to criticise him for some of the tweaks and changes he's made in recent games that haven't quite gone to plan. I think you have to be fair and uh, and give him uh, his dues tonight. Uh, Chris Carrick says, are you worried about Gabriel? He made a couple of rash moves tonight. I think Gabriel's always got that rashness in him. I think it's part of what makes him good. I think it's, it's part of the edge that he has. Um, Never afraid to pick up a yellow card, is he, uh, Gabriel? Uh, but yeah, look, he, he can be a little bit rash at times. And I think at various points last season, he showed that. And I think that was why a lot of people were, were really surprised at his kind of development this season, because he seemed to have cut that out uh, for the most part. He seemed to be a lot more composed and a lot more um, sort of uh, mature in the way he played the game. But... I do think that rashness will creep in from time to time because he's a player who really likes to play on the edge. Uh, Arnie Arneson says, nice to hear our fans tonight singing over the Liverpool fans. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't at the game. Uh, I know a few people that were and, and spoken a little bit on WhatsApp and everybody that was there is telling me that the Arsenal fans completely outsung Anfield, the famous Anfield atmosphere. Uh, it, I've said before, I've been on multiple occasions, a bit of a myth. Um, for those of you that are abroad or haven't had the chance to go to Anfield, you know, it's loud before kickoff and it's usually quite loud at the end if Liverpool get the result they want. And But unless it's a massive, massive game and like unless Liverpool are at the top of their game from the start to the finish, it can be a bit dead. Like all grounds can be in the Premier League. You know, it's not to slag off Liverpool, but it's just that the, the hype of the Anfield under the lights thing it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't marry up when you actually go there. You'll see that actually what you really get is 
good in comparison to a lot of other Premier League grounds, but is it as good as it's portrayed? Not sure about that. Anyway, uh, I think we are going to leave it there. That's our instant post-match reaction to Arsenal's nil-nil draw at Anfield uh, in the first leg of our Carabao Cup semi-final. Safe journey as well to uh, Dave, who's on his way home from there. He says our fans were immense. Um, Safe journey home, mate, and uh, good to see you on the stream. To summarise, before we, we disappear into the night, and I'm going to sleep quite well tonight after that. It was a, a solid, spirited performance. As Mikel Arteta said, we had to play the game in a certain way, not the way we wanted to play the game, but we stuck to the task at hand. Some excellent individual performances. Ben White was definitely uh, my man of the match. Um, obviously, the Granite Xhaka debate will rumble on now for a little while. There is concerns about what we're going to do in midfield with the North London derby to come. And, and of course, the situation with COVID cases means that even if you've got a couple of options, you can't even guarantee that they'll be available because of just the way things are. So it's an evolving situation. As I said, uh, we'll talk a little bit more tomorrow about uh, the transfer rumours and reports that have been doing the rounds this evening. As I mentioned a little bit earlier on during halftime, Chris Wheatley uh, reported that Arsenal are going to accelerate or, or are planning to accelerate their talks with Juventus over the signing of Artur in a bid to try and get him in ASAP. And we also heard that Miguel Aziz could potentially be returning from loan. So uh, we'll get into all of that on the transfer update show. I've also got a special guest joining me uh, on the 5pm edition. That's on Friday. Carlo Garganese, Italian football journalist. He's one of the best in the business, co-host of the Italian football podcast as well. He's a He's a fountain of Italian football knowledge. He's going to be joining me to talk Artur. He's a Juventus fan as well. He's also going to be uh, giving us a little bit more info on Vlavic and we'll be talking about some potential alternatives that Arsenal could seek to nab away from the Serie A. So plenty of content coming your way this Friday. Make sure you're subscribed on all the platforms. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Chronicles underscore AFC. Give me a follow at Harry Simiu. Also, give us a follow on Instagram and uh, I will catch you all very, very soon. Until next time, take care and uh, up the Arsenal as always. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.